Hello, I'm Derek Ray, and you're listening to the Scottish Football Forums podcast. Hello, and welcome to the Scottish Football Forums podcast. Joining me this week, as usual, is Laurie, our co-host. Hello, Laurie. As usual. Sounds so enthusiastic. Uh, hello. What I'll do is I'll get my thesaurus out for next week to see if I can think of something different to say. So we've got a, a guest who's making his debut this evening, and he is on the forum as Danny1888, and he's on Twitter as well as Danny Ferris. So I thought we'd, we'd go straight into it and talk about the Europa League class during the week, and that was Ren versus Celtic which finished 1-1, which I was, I was surprised that Celtic managed to get a point away from home. I'd predicted that they would be defeated. Did either of you manage to watch the game? I'm sure, Danny, you would have watched it. Uh, yeah, managed to catch off the game. I uh, was surprised that we drew 1-1, of course, because our European record has been rather abysmal over the past 10 years. But uh, there was still a few causes of concern. Uh, New defensive pairing for about the 15th time this season. And, well, obviously, I'm sure you've both seen the goal. Is that right, Laurie Craig? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, did you have any particular blame for any of these two? Like Foster and Cha? It's hard to... It's sometimes hard to tell when you can't hear who's maybe shouted because a lot of these things are to do with if someone calls for it. But... From what I can see, you've got to blame both to a degree, certainly from the offset. I don't know why Foster's, Foster's away out there, but then if he's shouted for it, then maybe it is his ball. But then Cha should really look before he plays the ball back. So it's hard to tell because, you know, maybe the keeper shouted on it and then there's not really so much blame on him. But I would certainly, Cha especially, he should be looking before you pass the ball back. You know, you shouldn't just kind of do it blindly like that. So I'd probably put more blame on him personally. I can't really remember. I don't follow Forster too much, but is he right-footed or is he left-footed? Right-footed. Yes. Uh, there was talk of Forster maybe diving to get the ball because he was in his box and, yeah, it would have been a, a free kick. I think it was Craig Burley was was having a good old moan about it, you know, what he's like with his opinions. But he was saying, well, why did Forster not just dive and accept the free kick, which is obviously much better than a goal. He maybe would have got booked as part of that, but again, it's much better than a goal. I was also surprised when uh, the camera zoomed in on Chaz's face after the goal, and I don't know what I expect from a player, but I definitely don't expect him to be almost smirking. Well, I think it's a smirk of embarrassment more than anything. Like, uh, I don't think he was exactly happy with himself. But I thought I thought they'd done well. They came away with a point, which, as I, as I mentioned earlier, I didn't really expect due to their previous record. I'd went for, a, I'd predicted a 1-0 victory for Wren. Laurie, you'd went worse and you'd went for a 2-0 victory. And John, or, or JB, he'd went for a 1-0 victory. So moving on to the SPL, and the lunchtime kickoff was Motherwell versus Kelly, and that was live on Sky Sports 4. Other sports channels are available. 
The final score was 0-0, which suggested a, a fairly boring game. But from what I've seen in the highlights, it seemed it seemed pretty interesting. There was kind of mixed reaction on the forum. I think it was Japester said that it was a, a, a decent game to watch. I didn't get to, to see meant much of it at all. I'd predicted a 3-0 victory for Motherwell. I thought they would continue their form. But I was clearly wrong and... Laurie, you'd went for a 2-1 to Killy, which I was surprised at at the time. Again, wrong. Uh, John had went for a 1-1 a draw, so he would have got one point in the, the SFF predictor. Did either of you get to see it? Uh, I watched Wolves and Swansea instead, which, well, on the face of it seemed a better game. But, well, as for the Motherwell game itself, uh, two points dropped, would you reckon? Um, I, I wouldn't say especially. I think Kelly, a good side. I think Motherwell almost in a false position a bit. I think they've got the results a lot of times when maybe they've haven't played especially well. But I mean, that's what everyone says is the mark of a good a good side, I suppose. But I thought Kelly kind of shaded it. They definitely used the ball a bit better. They moved it around better than Motherwell. Although in the kind of opening stages, Motherwell still had a couple of best chances. And and then Harkins, though it was for Kelly who came closest. He hit the post. But overall. It was a game that kind of promised to get going, but but never really did, is the way I saw it. I mean, I think we were saying Japester was just a bit um, lonely and bored on Saturday, so I think uh, any kind of any kind of football was was entertaining to him. But you've got like um, Psycho Heart on the forum said the double save from the killer keeper was probably the only real highlight of the game. Another game I expected better from, but was ultimately disappointed. And yeah, Yakala, I think, is the. The finished keeper for Kelly he did make a good double save at one point. Yeah. And yeah, it was Jape who said nil nil, good game though. And then Black Dog did reply saying, I didn't think so, Jape, mind you. I think you'd get excited at anything today. So that was uh, <laughs> that was the point we we're making there. But yeah, a bit of a nothing game. Um I'm reasonably happy with that because I think ultimately my aspirations as a Hearts fan will be to finish third and at the moment it would seem that although they're in second, I think as the season plays out, it will be them who will be maybe fighting for for third place. As much as I'd like to be more optimistic from a, a Hearts or a Motherwell point of view, I, I think ultimately first and second will be occupied by the usual culprits. I suppose uh, it depends who Motherwell get rid of in January. Like, do you think they'll keep Dan Randolph? Do you think, I think a few of the other players in midfield, do you think they'll keep them as well? Like, there'll be clubs interested in them. Um, well, Murphy's got to go at some point, I think. I mean, if they want to get money for him as well, because, you know, the longer you keep someone, the, the longer his contract... I have no idea how long he's got his contract, mind you. So, for all I know, no, it's I the end of the season. For all I know, it's five years. But, again, even with the team, even if they kept the whole team, I, I would say the absolute best they could aim for is, in, is third. And even then, all due respect to Muller, I'd be pretty disappointed if the Hearts team didn't finish above them. But... Then again, they're they're getting the points on the board at the moment, so can't really argue with that. And in the same way that Rangers are obviously getting the results at the top, but I don't think either side really complain about the draw. I don't think either really did enough to win it. So the the next game up I've got here is Dundee United versus St Johnson, which I was hoping for a lot from this. I thought that Dundee United would come away with a two-one victory, despite St Johnson really being scoring goals, or should I say Sandaza scoring goals, but ended up nil-nil, 
Laura, you'd went for a 1-1 draw, so you'd have got one point in the predictor, and John had went for a, a 2-1 victory to St. Johnson. So it was St. Johnson's first game for Alec Cleland in charge, and I think Jody Morris is also in charge. I'm not sure exactly how that works, but I think it's the two of them. Am I right? Well, as joint managers, or one head coach yeah. and one director of football. Uh, joint managers, obviously, uh, while they, they search for the, the permanent appointment. Uh, ah, right, OK, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I was, I was reading the, the paper on Sunday morning and the headline was Grim Encounter Raises Few Talking Points. Yeah, I didn't watch it because I, <laughs> I couldn't be bothered watching highlights of a nil-nil game, so I didn't even bother. I was hoping someone else had watched it. So, um, yeah, I, I thought it'd be a draw and actually me and Danny were discussing it yesterday um we got the we we both predicted the same score for this and the Inverness game we just got them the wrong way around because I think I put nil nil for Inverness and that was one one and I put one one for this so yeah. I, I never expected much from the game I'll be brutally honest Sunday United are on a bit of a poor run of form and as much as St Johnston are doing quite well they're still not exactly the most expansive team and I thought they'd be quite cautious away at Tanadice even even though Dundee United aren't on the best of form. So, yeah, not not really surprised that it was a nothingy game. It was two teams that, well, they like to attack anyway. St. Johnson, obviously, with Sandaza and Sheridan's the front two. Uh, probably the third best strike force in the SPL, but hopefully Hibs fans will maybe argue something different. Dundee United, Pierre Houston's trying to get on to play good football, where that actually comes off every week is, well, it's not proving to be the case. So the next game up I've got is Inverness against Dunfermline. Uh, a crucial game for, for both sides as, as they're both looks like they're going to be fighting for relegation. I tipped Dunfermline for relegation myself at the start of the season, but they, they started quite well and surprised a few, but they started to go into a bit of a free fall and, and they look like they will be challenging for relegation at the end of the day. So the game itself finished 1-1. And I'd went for a, a 2-0 victory to Dunfermline, going on uh, previous encounters the SPL this season. But obviously, zero points for that. Laurie and John had went for a Paul Band, a 0-0. So he would have got one point in the predictor. Did either of you manage to watch this thrilling encounter? Uh, well, I watched the highlights of it. Uh, I think a fairly even game. Inverness as a home team would obviously be slightly disappointed with just a draw. But I suppose it's a point closer to survival. I think the seat is two points dropped at home at Dunfermline, who Hearts played last week, and I, I think are pretty rotten, is the way I describe them. There's nothing about them much. And Inverness at home, I have a feeling that those two are going to be down there, maybe occupying the bottom two spots, fighting for relegation. Um, so Inverness maybe will feel that they should have taken the points in the home tie, and I think they will certainly feel that way especially due to the fact they were leading until what was the penalty was in what, the last 5-10 minutes? It's 86 minutes. Yeah, so it's always disappointing, but maybe on the balance of play, it was what they what they deserved. The home fans at the end were kind of booing and Butcher wasn't too complimentary the way his team had played, so you know, you usually think that maybe they hadn't done enough to deserve the victory there, but yeah, I would, I would look at it as for Dunfermline a point gained and for Inverness two points dropped. So moving on to the St Mirren against Hibs game, which really surprised me this weekend as it finished Hibs 3, St Mirren 2. I'd, I couldn't see past a St Mirren victory. I thought St Mirren have really impressed me this season. 
and Hibbs, despite O'Connor scoring a, quite a few goals, they've they've just been very woeful. I think would be the correct term for it. So uh, I'd predicted a three-one victory to St Mirren. Laurie, you'd went two-nil to St Mirren, and John had went one-nil. So uh, I think the the big talking point for me anyway from this is Soji and his miss from about four yards. Did you see it? Was this in the second half? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I stopped watching after the third goal went in for him. <laughs> so did I. <laughs> and missed it. Yeah, I didn't see the... I don't think I saw the miss anyway. I was I was still watching, but I just wasn't paying attention because I knew there was there was any more goals left. But a big win for Hibs, you know, a, a surprise away win for them, really. Especially when they went, you know, 2-1 behind. Obviously, the, very, the first goal was an absolute howler by Samson. Oh, yeah, and yeah. yeah, goalkeepers should should never try and be outfield players. Why did he turn towards his goal? It's, I can understand why keepers get frustrated and they think, yeah, I can I can do a wee bit of skill and get by this attacker because he's going to be lunging in. But just don't go towards your goal. The technical term, I think, is that he shat it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> that language allowed on this podcast. I sh- no, Laurie's going to get a... <laughs> shat isn't a... even a word. You can't be counted as a swear word. You're getting fined, Laurie. <laughs> I'm getting a fine. Oh, Jesus. Um, oh, no, I said that. I suppose that's technically blasphemy as well. But anyway, uh, good for Griffiths, though. And I think important for Hibs that someone else scored other than a corner. Obviously, the first one was a gift, but it was a really good finish for the third one um, from a tight angle. I would say the Hibs second goal... I would say normally I'd expect a free kick to be given there. And the, the motherwell Kelly game, Pasquale had a goal to slide, pretty much the sim- same thing. Yes. Climbing on the back of a defender. Yep. And I'd say nine times out of ten, I'd expect that to be a straightforward free kick against the attacking player. But there you go, you know, play to the whistle. Yeah, good for Hibs, but at the same time, pretty vulnerable at the back still. So that'll be something to work on for Calderwood. But... A win that they'd kind of desperately needed because if they hadn't won, uh, I think they would have been joint. They'd be joint bottom with Inverness at the moment. I think so. Yep. If they'd lost, so a big win for Calderwood and Hibbs. It was a nice change that Hibbs uh, had three goal scorers that weren't Gary O'Connor, two Griffiths, and one for uh, O'Hanlon. Is that the first time that's happened for Hibbs this season? Um, I think it's definitely the first time. Yeah, I think won. so. I think it's definitely the first time they've won when O'Connor's not scored anyway. I'm pretty sure. In the league, that is anyway. So, yeah, as I say, it's good for Griffiths to get to get scoring, and uh, I think he could be a, a good player for them if he if he can find some form. Uh, it's all about Lee Griffiths' temperament, I think. Like, even as a youngster, I've played against him a few times, and he was well a bit of a hothead, to be quite honest. And I think when he played for his debut for Hibs, away at Hearts, I think Laurie will know this better than me. But Griffiths' first thing he done on the game was a uh, give away a stupid yellow card and was very lucky to not be sent off. Do you remember that, Laurie? Yeah, his tackle on Jamie Hamill. Um, yeah. I, I didn't think it was a red, but yeah, he kind of threw himself in. I think if if Hamill hadn't been kind of going in the air, it might have been a lot worse. But yeah, if he could keep his temperament and he can grab the goals and could be a good signing for Hibs. And, you know, it's a striker who's shown a lot of potential with his goals at Dundee, so it'll be interesting to see how he does it in the SPL. 
Is he all loan till the rest of the season, or is that a full transfer? I'm not actually. It's it's loan, but I can't remember if it was six months or if it was to the end of the season. I think it must be six months because I I seen a story where they were looking to extend the deal. So moving on to Sunday's game, the lunchtime kickoff, which is on ESPN, and L'Oreal enjoy me bringing this one up. Rangers <laughs> came away with a a two 0 victory, and well, I'd like to say it was deserved, but. I think that would be flattering Rangers. I suppose goals are what matters and they kept a clean sheet, but there was large periods of the game where Hearts were, were dominant. I think there was a stat at some point, was it 80% possession in the last five minutes for Hearts and I'd be very surprised if they didn't get the overall uh, possession for the game. I thought McGregor kept Rangers in it with a couple of very good saves, one after the other, when I think it was 1-0 to Rangers at the time. I think the class of Jelovic when he came on with the, the long ball over his shoulder and he just casually slotted at home, I think I think that showed made showed the difference that Rangers have got players who can put put the, the ball away like that, whereas Hearts Stevenson did okay up front, but he's just I don't know, he's just not a, a goal scoring striker. Well he's not a striker full stop. So um yeah it's it's a bit of pressure to have no strikers on there because who does the kind of responsibility fall to to score and I think yeah you're right I think we must have we had we will had more possession overall we had more of the chances overall pretty sure we had more of the corners overall but the bottom line is Rangers got two goals and we got no goals so I mean bottom line is Rangers took that I think the way I've put it on the forum was Rangers were clinical where we were wasteful and we got in lots of great positions. We either didn't get the right final ball, and then when we did get the right final ball, we just fluffed the chances. You know, maybe have to let Morovic off with it because he's not an attacking player by any means. But I would really expect any player to do better in the position he got in. But there you yeah, go. Yeah. It's one of those games where I mean, I don't think I came out of it thinking, "Oh God, we're Rangers are so lucky." How did they hold on? Because it wasn't like McGregor made save after save after save. It was more us. It was our own fault, you know, we we made a couple of stupid mistakes at the back, just complacent, and we didn't make the most of the ball in our position, so, you know, our own worst enemy against Rangers, and they took the chances, so there's not really much, I couldn't really add much more to it than that, I thought Rangers were pretty poor, in all honesty, that was what was more frustrating than anything, I thought they were there for the taking, if we'd had a striker on, if we'd maybe been a bit more clinical, we could have won comfortably, they're just nothing special at all, but unfortunately, I think this year they're going to be probably the best of a bad bunch, and um, that's probably my final take. And I mean, Sheeptastic on the forum said two 0 game over. That's where class tells and chances have to be taken. Pretty much, kind of, kind of sums that up. Um, and uh, Japes I said, you know, that's no points or goals lost away from home this season. Do you know what that is? That's why we are champions. And pff, you can, I don't think a song's ever kind of more poignant than when. <laughs> When Naismith hit Rangers 1-0 up, because I think the first 20 minutes, Rangers had barely touched the ball. And it had been all hearts, and you know we were all quite optimistic. And then suddenly, from nowhere, yeah. Rangers were winning. And obviously, the song broke out in their way, and that's why we're champions. And it's exactly right, because we can cry all day about how much possession we had or how many chances we created. But the bottom line is, goals change games, and we didn't score any, and Rangers scored twice. Uh, obviously, as a Celtic fan, I was a bit gutted that I had to support Hearts yesterday. <laughs> uh, but in all seriousness, uh, I heard uh, Naismith's goal was Rangers' first shot on target. Is that right, Laurie? 
Yeah, I saw one stat said the Rangers only got two shots on target throughout the game, actually. I'm not sure if that was right or not, but... I can't remember any saves from Kelo, anyway, but I've only seen the highlights, but I don't think he made any saves. No, I can't think of any either. No, well, the first goal, I think, uh, it's a nice nice through ball from... Is it Davis? Whitaker. Yeah, this Whitaker went... Yeah, good ball from Whitaker and Naismith. It's always a dodgy one for the goalkeeper, that, because it's, it's so close to him. You don't know where to save it with your hand or foot. So you just end up going through the keeper. Uh, second goal, I think, is criminal defending by Hearts. Just simple ball over the top, and Jelovic is left completely unmarked. And it's a, well, it's a good finish, to be fair, but uh, I think it's more bad defending Hearts than a good goal for Rangers. It was well taken. It was over his shoulder and... Uh, just casually placed in the in the corner, but yeah, uh, I understand what you mean. That it was a basically a, a very hopeful ball from the halfway line. There was there was nothing really clever about it. It was just knock it up there, and I expect that he was only thinking that Jelovic maybe get ahead on it, and somebody would get the knockdown. It was odd. It was a kind of the way Rangers played. You, it wasn't like playing at home to the old farm. It was almost like how teams should go to the old Furman play because they were very comfortable sitting in, not attacking, let us get all the ball, create the chances and kind of, it, it wasn't really great to watch the way Rangers, they kind of just sort of floated up to Lafferty most of the first half. That's kind of what I was seeing anyway. Um, they weren't especially trying to to play much good football, but it worked, you know I mean? They got the result. It was just, it was quite obviously difficult for, for us to play against that because then the onus is on us to go and take the chances, whereas you know, players like Jelovic and Naismith are of a higher standard than what we have, especially in attack. And I think at some point, I was a bit disappointed Sergio didn't bring on maybe Sutton or, or I suppose even Gordon Smith if he's going to bring on a, stri- a striker at some point because I felt we were kind of lacking someone to, to get on the end of things. Um, and he did it, but when he did it, we were 2-0 down and I, I don't think we were ever, Rangers were ever going to kind of let us get back into it then. At 1-0, there's always a good chance if you get a goal that it can turn the game. But I think the second goal killed it. So I, I was hoping he was going to change it before then because at 1-0 up, Rangers seemed even more comfortable kind of letting us have the ball and just kind of containing us. So I thought maybe Sergio could have changed it a bit more. But, you know, this, these things happen. And as I say before, I think ultimately it's going to be an old firm top two. And I, I'm still optimistic that we can can get the third spot again. Well, I can't see why you can't. Like, you have got the third biggest budget in the SPL, is that right? Yeah. And, well, we definitely got at least the third best squad as well. So, there's no reason why you shouldn't. So, the, the next match on Sunday was Celtic versus Aberdeen, which was a three o'clock kickoff. And I only managed to, I was listening to it on the radio, and Celtic won this 2-1. Aberdeen gave them a bit of a fright when Ryan Jack scored a, a, I won't use the word wonder goal, but I, it was a, it was a good goal. It's a good goal. There's a I bet there's there's many people cheering them on at that point, um, myself included. Uh, there was a bit of a controversy after the, at the end of the game because Ryan Jack was booked for his celebration, and apparently Mulgrew was not. I only seen the highlights. Yes, uh, last night, and Ryan Jack, he, he approached uh, the fans, and I think it was the fans, they must have jumped over the, the barrier to get to him, so I'm not too sure if he was to blame really there, but 
the letter of the law says he should be booked. I didn't see Mulgrew do anything wrong. He sl- uh, the highlights showed him sliding towards the advertising board and, well, that was it. It stopped. It didn't show him climbing over. I don't think he did climb over. So I'm not sure why uh, people are thinking that he should have been booked. And then on the forum last night, there was a psycho hat mentioned that he was booked and he showed a, a picture of him getting a booking and he said that people in the, the stands seen him booked. Yet, I was listening to the radio phone-in this evening and nobody mentioned that Mulgrew got booked. They were kind of going down the route of why wasn't he booked. So I'm not really sure what to make of it. Yeah, uh, well, Craig Brown said on Sports Scene last night that Charlie Mulgrew got booked. Now, I don't know if that's right or not. Did anyone else hear that? I didn't watch Sports Scene, so I wouldn't know. I'm going to just check the game on the... The BBC website and see what it says on the... Well, I checked uh, the BBC and Soccer Way and they both uh, said that Celtic didn't receive a single yellow card. And I assume that both use the same source. I'm not sure who that is, whether that's the, the press association who own the copyright for the fixtures and the league tables and so on. But but yeah, the, on the, the phone-ins this evening, I was listening and they were all adamant that Mulgrew wasn't booked. So they were they were talking about the, the actual rules and they, they brought up two rules where one of them was it's a, an offence to delay the kick-off after a goal. So I suppose you could say going into the crowd is, yeah, you're guilty of that. And the other is leaving the field of play. So I'd always assumed it was jumping over the advertising boardings, but no, it's just simply leaving the field of play. So maybe, maybe to the letter of the law, Mulgrew was guilty of that. Although I think it was very harsh for him to be penalised for that. Yeah, I, I, same boat as you. I didn't see much more than the highlights, and I couldn't see anything really. I don't remember seeing it. To be honest, I can't remember the celebration. Makes me sound like I barely pay attention on these BBC highlights, but I didn't see much wrong with it. Um, yeah, it's a it's a bit harsh sometimes these yellow cards for sale, but either way, I mean the Ryan Jack one as well. He kind of runs over the fans and the, the stewards kind of block him away. But I think sometimes they they give them a bit too too often. I mean we saw in in English football in the Manchester derby, you know Balotelli. I mean he didn't even take his shirt off. He kind of revealed a t-shirt underneath it, and I think. Um, was it Sharner for West Brom? He also got booked for taking off uh, his yeah. t-shirt. His shirt. Well, he didn't take off, but he revealed a t-shirt underneath it. Correct me if I'm wrong, but this seems kind of pointless anyway. It had a West Brom badge on it. I mean, pretty sure his, his football shirt had a West Brom badge on it, but there you go. It just seems kind yeah. of like, it seems a bit, I get they've got to have rules, but, you know, if you're not even taking your shirt off, you know, if you're revealing a t-shirt underneath it or something, it just seems so harsh. And then, a lot of the time, maybe, you know, they might have a T-shirt for someone who's been ill or died or, you know, they might have some. And then what the ref, the ref then has probably got to still book them because it's the letter of the law. But it's like, it's a T-shirt to your own fans. I get if it's running up to the away fans and you're taunting because, you know, like what Adebayor did, that could cause a bit of problem because, you know, yeah. some fans will literally come on and try and do something about it. But, you know, you're in yeah. front of your own fans and you reveal a T-shirt or whatever. It's not... It's not the end of the world, but yeah, I, I couldn't really confirm on the Charlie Mulgrew if he did get booked or if not, and I don't think he uh, had any reason to be booked from what I saw anyway. 
I think the uh, sheep sheeptastic said on the forum that because it's a rule, the the referees have to follow it, and if they don't, then they're marked down. So I think their hands are tied in that instance. You mentioned uh, what if uh, there's a message on the the shirt, like I think it was Goodwillie in the cup final when he scored. There was a message for his gran on there. Now I think I think it's so harsh. Uh, I think he took it off. Can't remember him approaching the, the crowd at all, and he lifted his top for the, I suppose for the cameras for the crowd. I think that's harsh doing that. There was a a case in England in the Premier League where there was a guy I think he played his dad had died maybe a couple of days before the the game. Yeah, and he lifted his top, and yeah, I suppose I don't know what you would do as a referee. You're doing your job. You get marked down if you don't do it. You, I suppose you're damned if you do, damned if you don't. You can't really blame the referee, I, I suppose, because they're following the, the the rules of the game. But yeah, it's it's harsh. I and mean, what if it's that's a situation where the player's already been booked and they take and they just all they do is they show a t-shirt and it maybe says that was you know for you know like the goodwillie it was for someone who died or you, something like that. I mean, it's kind of or only only God can judge me. Well, maybe not that. I mean, but <laughs> but you know what I mean. If it's something personal, meaning to it, it's not offending anyone and. They, they reveal it and ugh, they end up getting sent off. It seems a bit harsh. Yeah, it's interesting how the, the Ryan Jack was has been picked up and uh, Mulgrew as well. And I suppose the only reason it has been picked up is because he was subsequently sent off for a, a challenge that I don't think anyone will argue was definitely a, a yellow card incident. But I wonder if he hadn't, if he hadn't been sent off, would we be discussing this now? Would we? Would the the real radio phone in be be filled with callers shouting for Mulgrew to be booked or the the law to be changed? It's just well, interesting it's, how it works out. It's happened against Celtic in the past. If you remember last season at Tynecastle in that fateful game, uh, Chris Commons got sent off for a second yellow. Yeah. Yep. It's a conspiracy. Uh, well, of course it is. Of course it is. <laughs> uh, uh, but I think Celtic in the past two seasons have had six or seven players booked as a result of over-celebrating with the fans or whatever. And I believe uh, Craig will maybe be able to confirm this for me, but Rangers have zero. I can't, I can't think of any. I'm, I'm, trying to, I'm, try, I'm trying to run celebrations through my but head here. This is here. not a conspiracy by any means. I'm just, you sure? You sure? Oh, of course, of course I am. Uh, I know, it's just it's happened against Celtic in the past and it's happened in Celtic's favour this time so uh, you win some you lose some I wonder if the, the fans are, are partly to blame uh, uh, there was the, the Ryan Jack incident he, he didn't seem to, to jump into the fans there seemed to be fans come on to the pitch so I wonder if if he would have been booked if they hadn't have done that because it, it, it definitely made it look more serious than it was He's running the risk when he's running right that close to him. Like, I don't think Commons last season was running right into the fans either, but if fans are going on the pitch and hugging him and stuff, it's it's considered dangerous, and I think that's where the rule's interpreted. It's quite it's quite hard at Tynecastle not to um, oh. go into the fans when you the pitch the pitch and tight the pitch the edge of the pitch and the fans is what about a yard at Tynecastle so it's not exactly uh, you're not exactly running behind advertising boards and jumping over fences and stuff to get there are you Yeah well the uh, according to the radio this evening they they said that the the law is that you're you're not allowed to leave the field to play 
And, well, I can only assume that that's uh, the second you cross over the white line that the referee is compelled to, to give you a booking. It's, it's far too pernickety, really. I mean, you could, you know, if you're at the back post and you dive in to score a header, then you might end up off the field anyway. Does that mean that you have to make sure you come off the field of play before you kind of react and celebrate? It's, like, it's just, it's, it's a nonsense, really. I understand that, I understand that, like the like of like I mentioned the Adebayor incident. If a player goes and really incites the home or away fans or whatever, you know, I mean properly. I mean just maybe shushing them or something. You can't be putting cards out for that. If there's a real incitement and it can cause it can cause problems. You know, fans can start piling over each other. Maybe if someone comes on the pitch or they start throwing things, and it's kind of dangerous. But you're running in front of your own supporters. I mean, God, let people celebrate. I mean. What do we want people just to turn around and jog back, not react to things? It's it's football. It's it's passionate. That's why kind of that's why it's so great, and that's why we all love it. I don't see. I don't. I don't even have a problem with a player. You know, if we've been giving a player stick and he scores and he puts his finger to his mouth, then you know that's that's fine. It's a bit of banter back and forward. Obviously, if he ran up the other side of the pitch and started giving us the fingers or giving us abuse, then there's there's a line. But I think we've got to be we've got to be reasonable. And we've got to be sensible with these things. But until they address the, the rules of the game, we can't even blame the referees because they follow the law. If if they don't give the cards, then they get in trouble. So I think at some point we have to address some silly little laws and it's not just with celebrating. There's a lot of things that I would change. And, and maybe in a future podcast, we'll, we'll address it in more detail. I think a law such as over-celebrate, it's kind of, well, it's completely down to the referee's interpretation and that's where the problems lie. It's the same way handball decisions or last man tackles like this thing was yesterday. It's just, the referee needs to get some leeway, I think, and if there's too strict a law, then the referee's maybe not allowed to do his job. I'm not sure, though. Um, in terms of the game itself, I was going to say, you got, I think Celtic just happy to get three points. Charlie Boy in form just says, oh well, three points taken. Uh, maybe get a better test next week against the against the Hibbies. Brypod, an Aberdeen fan th- said, thought we played pretty well, seemed to I'll say brick it when we equalised. <laughs> Took every player back for corners and after waves of pressure, they scored. Jack scores a thing of beauty. If Messi scored that, folk would be all over it. <laughs> the, resulting Maybe, bounce, yeah. the resulting bounce was even better. Um, Plod didn't like it one bit, though at one point it looked like the battens were coming out. Um, <laughs> got, got to lose, having given so much. Gives us hope for the current next week, though. So I guess with uh, I guess with uh, Darius being uh, he was supporting... Having to support Hearts for the day, that was maybe a bit like you having to support Aberdeen, Craig. Was it quite difficult? Well, well, uh, it wasn't too difficult. It wasn't too difficult. I, th- I thought I'd bring us back to the predictions because I like to cover the predictions. And Laura, you'd went for a, a 2-0 victory to Celtic. Mm-hmm. So you would have got one point. Uh, JB had went for a 1-1 draw. And I don't want to be smug about it, but I'd went for a 2-1 victory to Celtic so I, I would have got three points in the predictor had I not been silly and forgotten to put them in ah, so, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah. I got I got zero for the entire weekend <laughs> because I didn't go and put them in after the podcast <laughs> see that's why you should do what I do and put them in as we're talking that's what I, and then put save at the end ah see no nah, I don't think of that because I write it down on a bit of paper I'm old school I've got a wee black book full of predictions. <laughs> a wee black book? I'd like to I'd like to see your black book sometime. 
Well, it's got your name in it quite a lot, what? so I'm not sure you would want to see it. <laughs> Don't start saying that. I'll have to edit that out. That my name's in your little black book. People, yep. people will talk, Craig. Come on. Okay, so I was going to briefly mention the vacancy at the moment at St Johnston following the departure of Derek McInnes to Bristol City. Obviously leaving uh, Jeff Brown and the rest of the board at St Johnston with a position to fill. There's been a few kind of player, uh, well, a few say players and uh, managers linked with it. You know, we did hear Jody Morris, the St Johnston captain, getting linked, but I see today he's been uh, eh, not disqualified, but he's not been um, included. Jeff Brown has said that he's not going to be one um, who gets the the position. A couple I mentioned on the forum as potential candidates who we mentioned, Nick Dasovic, ex-Saints player, but he's not one with any managerial experience as far as, far as I'm aware. Gary Bolin, another former Saints player who's kind of been cutting his managerial teeth in the Scottish League with Livingston. And uh, you've got Paul Sheeran as well, another ex-player who's been doing it at Arbroath. Um, I did suggest Jim Jeffries. I thought he'd be kind of perfect for St Mirren. The, um, the way they kind of play, I know he, he likes to kind of keep it compact and direct. And it's, when I've seen St Mirren, they've kind of played that sort of way, as far as I can see. And he's an experienced manager as well. Not sure it'd be one that um, maybe some fans of the board would fancy. I know um, Frugal on the forum uh, said you can keep JJ in his negative anti-football. Thank you very much. He doesn't fit the profile anyway, i.e. young, ambitious, and maybe worth a few quid, quid to a championship team in the next few years. Frugal also says it's too soon for Morris, although he's a shoe in in future. David Weir has had con- contact with the chairman, but I don't know what was said. Uh, Sheeran is a possibility, but Jim Weir from Brecon... Has to be good odds. His wife, Susan, still works at the club. I know he's also unofficially thrown his hat into the ring. Um, it's too early to say, but whatever happens, the newcomer will find a good, well-run club to step into. Um, either of you two guys got any thoughts who might get the job or who you think should get the job? In the past, St. Johnson have got a good record in getting young managers that are just starting off there and, well, managing to perform well from Owen Coyle, obviously being the first one, and a big move to England. And... Well, now Derek McInnes earning a move to, a, well, a sleeping giant, if you will, although he didn't exactly get off to a good start, if anyone's seen that, Bristol City-Birmingham. I didn't see, what was the score? I didn't even check. Uh, 2-0 Birmingham. I didn't see the game either, but I think Birmingham got a 90th minute goal. And Well, after playing on a Thursday night, you'd, it must have been quite comfortable for Birmingham for winning 2-0 if a few players rested, I presume. Yeah, I mean, I will, I will say... Uh, a news item which has appeared in just recently, um, saying Paul Cook is the surprise front runner for the vacancy. Paul Cook, Englishman, who is, I believe, manager at Sligo Rovers and has been in charge since 2007, following a short stint with Conference side Southport. So that's appeared um, just in the BBC site. This is Monday evening recording, so that's just appeared in the last hour or so. Yeah. Um, I mean, also in the forum, I, I think uh, we had, I mean, JB said David Weir would be a good option as player manager as he can't see him featuring often for Rangers this season. Um, yeah, I agree with that. I think that although he's, he's still technically captain, club captain, I think that uh, now that he's been out, I think the Rangers have got a good partnership with Bocanegra and Goyen 
and when Bartley comes back from injury, I could see him coming in as well. So I think Weir needs to start considering his future, and I think that that would be a, a good job for him. I think that if he can get a, a player manager as well, he, could, he clearly wants to continue playing after signing up for another season. So yeah, I think that'd be a good job for him. I think St. Johnson are looking for a, a young manager. Again, I think you mentioned Frugal. Uh, he says that they're, they're keen to get a young manager in who uh, who won't cost much. I don't I don't think the Rangers would stand in the way of Weir. I think he's been a good servant for the club, so I think that they would let him go for for probably for free. Uh, so so yeah, I think I think he would be a a, a good. A good choice. I think uh, on ESPN yesterday they they asked Jim Jeffries uh, what he what he had to say about the job about the the vacancy because I think he he will get linked with every vacancy that comes up and it's basically it was basically a no comment. He, he kind of dodged the question and unsurprisingly he he wouldn't commit to anything. Uh, just when you're talking about uh, David Weir there, player managers, it's never been something that I've been overly keen on, so to speak, because, well, if he's player manager, will David Weir play himself every week, or will he deliberately not play himself at all? It's kind of it's a tough predicament he's in. I'm not sure what your thoughts are on that. Uh, it's difficult, isn't it? It's, I, I don't know. How, you, you'd hope that he would he would do the right thing. I think it's it's a bit... A bit similar to Kenny Shields. What what does he do? Does he does he play his son? Whether whether he's playing well or not, it's I think it's a similar thing. That hopefully that they're professional enough to to look beyond that relationship or look beyond the fact that they'd be picking themselves and and do good for the team. Well, uh, with Dean Shields and Kenny Shields, uh, I know what you're saying, but I think with Dean Shields probably being arguably one of Kamark's better players maybe not as tough a decision as some others might think. So no one told me that I said St Mirren? <laughs> I, I did find it funny, Laurie, but I just wanted you to continue. Oh, It's going to be good, because oh, normally you, you include my gaffes in the, the podcast. <laughs> this time it's your turn. <laughs> it was me. I must, have, I must have read something in front of me. Breen77 puts a name forward. Uh, interesting candidate. Not surprising he's a Celtic fan. He suggests uh, Neil Lennon. Um, yes, please. <laughs> I thought you might say that. Um, Alan J sixty four also says John Hughes must be in with a chance. He's another one who usually gets mentioned with vacant SPL jobs. I mean, in fact, his uh, Jimmy Calderwood, his name probably come up at some point. Although he does add, Alan J sixty four does add, though given yesterday could be Sir Alex Ferguson as his jacket is on a shugly nail. But um, the smiley that follows that. I think shows that he's uh, tongue in cheek with that comment. Uh, yeah. Well, Sven Goran Eriksson's uh, looking for a job just now. <laughs> Aye, I'm sure this. Job- yeah, he's fresh out the door. Yeah, he's not exactly young, and he won't be cheap either. <laughs> so I thought we'd we'd start looking at the predictions for the upcoming games, and on Tuesday we have the the League Cup quarterfinals, and the first game up is Dundee United versus Falkirk. Falkirk will obviously be on a high after the, the last result, which we won't go into too much. But I still think that Dundee two, two, United will have two, two too much A 2-2 draw with Park Thistle. Wasn't that much to shout about, was it? <laughs> yeah, it cost me a bet. 
<laughs> I'm glad. I'm glad you said that, Laurie. We'll just we'll move on quickly. Quickly, uh, we'll get uh, Dundee United. I think are going to have too much for them, uh, especially at home. I think that the they'll come away two one victors. What do you think, Laurie? Um, out of the the lower league teams left, out of the three of them, Falkirk, Ayr, and East Fife, I think Falkirk probably have the best chance as United are on a bit of a a bad sort of run. Um, yeah, Falkirk yeah. are currently second in the, the first division, although it is a extremely tight uh, division, that one anyway. I still think, yeah, Dundee United will edge it. Um, I'm going to go 2 nil Dundee United. Well, I think it's the best tie of the lot, to be quite honest. Uh, Dundee United not doing that great in the SPL, and obviously, as you said, Laurie Falkirk second in a really competitive first division. I don't know. Falkirk, well, as you said, they'll be on a high after that uh, draw against Partick Thistle. I will call it that. Uh, I'll, I'm going to be bold and I'll say Falkirk to win 2-1 after extra time. Oh. Shock of the day. So the, the next game up is Kilmarnock versus East Fife. And East Fife are going to think that they're on a, a bit of a run themselves. So I think they're going to go into this game confident. Kelly has shown against Celtic that they can score goals, but they also showed that they're, they're maybe a bit naive and they, they should have really ground out a bit better than a, a draw in that game. They they drew a blank this weekend, so I think it's going to be a tough one for them. I think I'm going to go for a, an extra time as well, and I'm actually swaying towards an East Fife. Mm, aye, right. I'm going to go for a, a 3-2 to East Fife. Yeah, it's losing it. You're losing it. Um, no, I kind of see it happening. Um, East Fife, they narrowly got through in the kind of Fife derby against Dunfermline and they beat Aberdeen, who just kind of messed it up. But Kelly have scored a lot of goals at home. You know, they put five past Queen in the south the last round uh, and I think they won't take East Fife lightly after the last two games, so I think they'll probably put out first-choice team. I can't see past anything other than a Kilmarnock easy victory. I'm going to go... 3-0 Kilmarnock. Yeah, I think I'm pretty much agreeing with everything Laurie said, which is a very rare occurrence. Uh, East Fife, are, uh, they'll just be happy being that in this stage of the competition. Obviously, a great result against Aberdeen in the last round. Uh, I'll, I'm going to have to go. Kelly free, Hearts reserves nil. What about the romance of the cup? Do you not think that that'll come into play? Or, or do oh, you just no, think Kelly... Oh, the romance game. That's, there's your romance. Oh. Greg, the, the <laughs> yeah. romance has happened the last two rounds for East Fife and Air. Come on, you can't, can't happen every game. I mean, I just, I just kind of see it. Just, you never know. I mean, anything can happen in football. I mean, it's, yep. That's why it's great, you know. Super Cali can go ballistic sometimes, but shut up. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I just, I can't see it on this occasion. But you know, I'd love East Fife to go through. Obviously, as, as um, <laughs> Danny so aptly mentions, there's a. A few of our players out on loan there, and obviously we Robbo is uh, in charge. So mm-hmm. yeah. I've got a wee song. We Robbo, <laughs> we in Robo. height, in height. Sorry, okay. short. I'll say short Robbo. Then that'll be more more appropriate. Yes, short and round. What's well, what you're saying? His son is list. Will be listening to this. So make sure you're nice to the guy. Like Robbo always said, it's never over till the fat striker scores. So. 
He's never, he's never head away from that. <laughs> so the next game up is Mirren against Ayr, and Ayr dispatched a Diddy <laughs> team in the last round. So. <laughs> I, I think that I think St Mirren are going to be too much for them because I've been a fan of St Mirren this season, been impressed with them. So I'm going to go for a three-one victory in normal time. To St Mirren. I didn't know we were specifying whether it happened in normal time or extra time. Well, was Danny this... started it with his extra time, so yep. The SFF bookies, you know, I, I didn't want to have to specify. Right, I'm just going to say, what was this game again? St. Who's it? St. Mirren, St. Mirren St. against St. Mirren. Yeah. That's the one, that's the right one. Not St. Johnson. Two different teams. Um, <laughs> I, again, I can't see it here. I think they're very good at Somerset, but, you know, they're struggling at the bottom of the first division. Uh I think St Mirren will take it very seriously as well. You know, good chance in the cup. Celtic have a reasonably tricky tie, so you never know. Could end up with a good chance to win a trophy. So I think St Mirren will win. I think Ayr will put up a decent fight, though. I'm going to go 2-1 St Mirren. Well, as we know, this is Ayr United's first big test of the competition. <laughs> uh, well, this is it's tough to calling what I originally thought with St Mirren obviously they'll obviously want a point to prove after losing to Hibs at the weekend but here they'll be right up for it it's probably their biggest game of the season I don't know I'm going to go St Mirren after extra time 1-0 a nice wee tight game 1-0 after extra time Laurie so on Wednesday you've got the kind of well, what BBC would say is the, the pick of the round, and that's Hibs versus Celtic. Hibs are, are going to be flying after they've, they've realised that they can score three goals in a game. And Celtic, I think, are, are still going to go into this a, a bit worried that they're, they're going to leak goals, so can they score more than they leak? I think, I think I, although it's the Cup, although Hibs are going to up their game because it's the Cup, because they... At this stage of the competition, they, they've got Hamden in sight. Uh, not just the semi-final, but the final as well. But I think Celtic will have too much for them. I'm going to go for a, a 2-1 victory to Celtic. Yeah. Um, it's, uh, it's maybe a trickier one to call now. I mean, Celtic are obviously quite fragile themselves at the moment, as Hibs are at the, at the back. So a lot might come down to how dangerous O'Connor and Griffiths end up being. Um. Hibs, obviously, the last team outside the old firm to, to win the League Cup in 2007. Don't know why I'm bringing that up. Don't know why I'd want to highlight that, but there you go. Uh, <laughs> well, we've got to give them one cup, obviously. They don't win the other one, so got to give them something. Uh, yeah, but I kind of see past. I think it'll be more comfortable for Celtic in the end. Go 3-1 Celtic, I think. Hand over to Danny. He'll, he'll probably be confident or not. Uh, not. Uh, my main worry is not Hibs themselves, but more what team will Neil Lennon field. Like, I think I read a stat the other day. We've played 17 games and we have had 16 variations of our defence. <laughs> so, so I don't. We'll probably be a 17 variation today. We'll probably have Joe Ledley at centre back or something stupid like that. Yeah. Uh, Can't be any worse than Daniel Mastorovic, though. Eh? Well, he probably won't be, but I think. <laughs> I think Wuven's maybe picked up a knock on Sunday, so it'll probably be Mistorovic and Mulgrew at centre-back with 
Crawley, El Kaduri, and oh, I'm not even going to predict the right back. But I think Celtic should, if it's our best team, they should have too much for Hibs. But oh, whether it's our best team it shows or not is a different story. I'm going to be confident because I have to be live on radio. So I'll be 2 0 Celtic. Stokes to get both the goals. Oh, getting specific, yeah, Stokes. He always goes against Hibs. He likes it. You're the king of being specific, Craig. Surprised he didn't pick. I know. He usually picks and does at the score. The only reason he didn't is because St Johnston weren't even playing. But I wouldn't put it past you to try. No, it's still to come. St Johnston's still to come. And in fact, it's going to be a tricky tie for you to predict because it's St Johnston versus St Mirren. I don't know what you're going to do. Is, is, that, is, that, is, is that two different teams? Oh, Christ, how does that work? So, so the, moving on to the SPL, the Saturday lunchtime game is Aberdeen against Rangers, which, well, Rangers are, are greeted with a, another difficult away tie on the trot, but I think, I think they're going to do similar to what they did with Hearts. They're going to struggle and they're going to just squeeze out a victory I'm going to go for a 1-0 victory to Rangers. There's obviously a bit of bias in there, but I just think that Aberdeen this season have just not not shown enough to to suggest that they're go- they've got enough. Well, you actually predicted Rangers not to beat Hearts, did you not? In the last game, I went for a 2-2. Yeah. I actually had money on the 2-2 as well. I had uh, it was just a couple of pound, but I had a couple of pound on the 2-2 and I had a fiver on Naismith for scorer. So. I came out overall up, so that was all right. Yeah, right. Well, I'm going <laughs> to throw the cat among the pigeons here and go for a ridiculously bold scoreline of Aberdeen 3, Rangers 2, because it's about time someone beat Rangers and it's about time someone scored against away from home and, you know, Aberdeen will be up for it. You know this is the only games Aberdeen... Uh, turn up for every season so um, you know what happens Hearts beat Celtic Aberdeen beat Rangers that's how it works um, so I'm going to go 3-2 um, you know probably not happening but I reckon Aberdeen could give Rangers a good game and you know they'll have, I think they'll have a bit of confidence that they went to Parkhead and conceded less than 9 goals so you never know well Laurie I completely disagree with you I don't Aberdeen of any capabilities whatsoever scoring three goals against the Rangers defence. I think, well, and up until the 4-0 game against Dunfermline, they were hardly scoring at all. And maybe yeah. they had a couple of decent games, but I can't really see them breaking the Rangers defence 3-0. I think Rangers will be far too professional. Alan McCloy will have them up for it because it's Aberdeen. And I think Rangers will get a 2-0 victory. Good man, Danny, supporting the Rangers, yeah. Not supporting... So, moving on... <laughs> <laughs> Moving on to Celtic against Hibs again, but yeah. this time it's at Parkhead. I think that I predicted that Celtic would win 2 1 in the Cup uh, at Easter Road. I think at home, I think Celtic will have too much again, and I'm going to go for a, a larger margin. I'm going to go for a 3 1 victory to Celtic. Um, I've went 2 0 Celtic. Pretty standard win, I think. Hibs won't really offer much away from home. Celtic won't be spectacular, but I think they'll do the business. So, 2-0. Yeah, I think I'll go 2-0 as well. I, can, I can't really see it being the best game by any means, but I think I think Hibs will just not really be good enough on the day. 2-0 Celtic. 
And the next game up is Dundee United visiting Dunfermline. I'm going to go for a 1-0 victory to Dundee United. Uh, they're not scoring very much lately, but I think that they're still going to have too much for Dunfermline. 1-0 Dundee United. I've went 1-1. Um, Dunfermline aren't very good, but neither are United just now, so my logic is I can't pick one of them to win, so one apiece. Laura, this is the second time tonight I'm agreeing with you completely. <laughs> I don't like that. It's surprising that it's a bottom, well, it's a bottom half of the table game because you'd expect Dunfermline to be all guns blazing, you to the SPL, and Dundee United over the past few years have been doing pretty well. So it's a wee bit surprising, but I'll go for 1 1 as well. A very boring 1 1, may I add. And the next game up is Hearts against Kilmarnock. I was, I was impressed with Hearts against Rangers yesterday. I thought that they, although they, they didn't have many chances on goal, they, they did force McGregor into that double save, I suppose. But I thought overall they really impressed. And Kelly, I think that they're, they're going to be a bit, they're calmed down after the, the Celtic heroics. So I think I'm going to get a Hearts 2 0 victory. I've went uh, two goal margin. I've went three one. Um, uh, in fact, you know, I'm going to change that. Actually, I went three nil. Actually, I've changed it three nil. Um, three nil. <laughs> I three to Kelly, right? Okay. No, didn't be getting <laughs> funny with me, boy. Um, no, three nil hearts. I think we'll bounce back. I think. I don't think we were at our best against Rangers, but we still. <sighs> Should have done. Should have done enough to win the game. I felt so. I think at home we're looking really solid under Sergio and Kelly. I don't score a lot away from home. They tend to do a lot of the business at Rugby Park. So I think we'll have too much for them. Three 0 Hearts. Yeah, I think. Well, I've been impressed with Kamarok for a lot of this season. Obviously, one half in particular, which we won't go into too much. Uh, but they've got. Well, they've got a lot of good players. I'm impressed with Heffernan. He's been. Scoring a lot of goals for Kamarok, been impressed with him. Uh, is it James Dayton who's recently came back from injury? Yeah, yeah, been pretty impressed with him as well. Uh, obviously, there's Dean Shields. Uh, there's a lot of problems at Hearts will face on Saturday, I reckon. So with that in mind, one nil Kamarok. <laughs> yeah, I'm actually changing it. I'm going to go three one again. I've changed back. Heffern. Well, you've tried this before. No, no, but I'm sticking. I'm not saying 3 0 and 3-1. I'm saying 3-1, but I think Heffern will score. Or that little Dean Shields. <laughs> I think score. In fact, no. 1-0 will score. Heffern and 1-0. You don't think... You think... You don't think we're going to score against Kilmarnock at home? Correct. You don't play for a striker, Laurie. We still beat you. Uh, we still put two past you lot without a striker. Kilmarnock's got a better defence. Us. I can't really deny that just now. Okay, the debate. Danny's not a cheat like you, Laurie, <laughs> coming out with all these different scores. I try to cover all bases. Right, so I've got you in for a 3 1. Your 3 0 victory is forgotten. Yeah, 3 1. That's the final answer. 3 1. Final answer. The next game up is Inverness against Motherwell. I think that Motherwell are going to come away uh, with a victory here because I just think that they deserve it. I think the the, the, <laughs> second, the second best team in Scotland at the moment. So I think they're going to come away with a 2-0 victory. 
because they deserve it. This is the best <laughs> one I've heard. We should win because we deserve it. Um, aye. Uh, yeah, I fancy Mother as well. They seem to be better away from home. Um, Inverness are pretty rubbish, so 2 0, Mother will. Uh, I think Inverness will win because they'll deserve it. <laughs> uh, no, in all seriousness, though, I think there's always a myth that Inverness, because it's such a long journey, what effect will it have on Motherwell? Not really sure. I think Motherwell, obviously, I've been playing well. They deserve to be second in the league just now. But I think maybe Saturday was a pr- proves that maybe they're starting to falter a wee bit. So I'll go for 1 1 Inverness, Motherwell. And the final game that's going to confuse Laurie is St. Johnson versus St. Mirren. <laughs> I mentioned before in previous podcasts that I've been impressed with St. Johnson and in particular Sandaza. Also been impressed with St. Mirren. So I think it's it's difficult to call this one. The change of management at St. Johnson is, it often brings a, a, a positive. It often brings a, a short-term high for the club, but I'm not so sure in this instance so I'm going to go for a 1-1 draw here. And Sandaza, of course, is going to be the scorer for St. Johnson. Well, because I can't differ between the two teams and they obviously can't play each other, I'll obviously have to go with uh, no one winning and no one scoring. So I'm going to go with the, the Paul Band, as you like to say. I'm going to go St. <laughs> nil, St. nil. I mean St. nil. So... Yeah, no goals, no winners, nothing at all. Not even watch the highlights. <laughs> no, no. Uh, who's the home team? Uh, Craig, answer this, not Laurie. St. Johnston. Definitely St. Johnston. <laughs> yeah, um, uh, despite their manager going, I still think uh, at home, St. Johnston should have just too much for St. Mirren. Both, both are obviously playing well, but I think St. Johnston will sneak it 2-1. Sheridan will get at least one of the goals. I like how specific you are. I don't. I'm, I'm learning from you, Craig. <laughs> so well, that, that brings us to the end of the, the predictions and the end of the podcast. Despite Laurie getting confused about St. Johnston and St. Mirren, I thought it's been a good show. Yeah, enjoyed it. Aye, thanks for coming on, Danny. It was good. Yeah, no problem at all. Right, and thanks again, Laurie. Thanks for, for being the, the co-host again. No worries, Danny. I mean, Craig. I mean, what's your name again? forget <laughs> and Laurie I'll, I'll speak to you next week in episode I think it's episode 16 next week oh, who knows I've lost count <clears throat> I think it's episode 16 this is 15 this week I'm sure of that yep right cheers thanks guys see you later bye bye bye, bye. bye.